Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, people? Welcome, welcome. Here we are again. This is episode four of our new podcast, The Motto. Thanks for the feedback on the first few episodes. We do read every message and comment, so keep them coming and make sure you guys follow us on social media at The Motto Pod if you don't already, all right? If you want to get involved by sponsoring us to whatever degree, then get in touch via the website, which is themotto.org. As you guys know by now, we make a charity donation from the money that we make to our guest chosen charity. So every penny really counts. So this one was a slightly different kind of episode. And that's because the guest is someone that I've pretty much seen every single week of my life for the last decade. I met this guy at university and haven't been able to get rid of him since. It is, of course, my co-host and one of my best friends Melvin O'Doom. Now myself and producer James recorded this about a week or so ago. I've got to admit it started off a little bit weird but once we got going it was a lot of fun. Hopefully we managed to get on tape the other parts of Melvin's personality that as friends we see all the time but you guys may not have seen before now. And don't forget we're filming these interviews as well which you can check out on YouTube by searching for The Motto Podcast. Have to give a massive shout out to John at ProCam and to Ryan and Martin at Fresh Audio for their help with the kit. So that's it. The motto, episode four, with the self-proclaimed dating king, the Ghana Banana himself, Melvin O'Doom. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Mr. Melvin O'Doom, my partner in crime. He's my brother from another mother. This is very, very weird for us. This is strange. <laughs> We've never done this in, what, how long have we worked together for? Like over... Over 15 years. Over 15 years, and we've never interviewed each other. No. Well, not each other, you're interviewing me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. This is my podcast. <laughs> Fall back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys might know the fact that um, myself and Melvin work together uh, on the Kiss Breakfast Show. We've done that for over 10 years now. Yeah. We've worked together on MTV. We've done BBC stuff together. We've done ITV stuff together. Box TV. A load of stuff. This is fun, actually, because <laughs> I get to relax. Usually I've got to prep loads of stuff, <laughs> questions. You're doing all the work today. <laughs> I'm just going to sit back and relax. <laughs> now, when I started working at MTV News, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe about a year and a half in, maybe two years in, 
you got onto MTV Digs, you were working there. That's when you first met James, right? Yeah. So this is a kind of a mad story because Ricky will know from university days. I all, my main dream was to get on MTV. Yeah. I loved the days of Richard Blackwood when he did select MTV. Yeah. I thought he was the funniest black man on television. Melvin used to walk around campus going up to people going, Hey I'm Melvin O'Doom, MTV News, peace. <laughs> <laughs> that was my catchphrase. I never actually got to say that on actual MTV. But when Ricky was there, I, I kind of like made it my duty to be there with you. So I'd kind of walk into MTV with you and kind of walk around and bother people on their desk. Well, there, was a, there was a period of time when you never used to come and then I was like, just come in, man, just come with me. And you'd be like, is that right? Because yeah, I was kind of embarrassed. Like I was kind of shy about the whole thing because and it was like a new job for you as well. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't want to mash it up for yeah. you because <laughs> I could have done that. But I kind of started rolling with you. And then there was like, I think, um, who had like a birthday party? Um, there was always it was always Azeem, Azeem had a, a party was it Azeem? at a bowling alley and that's when I met our boss Lisa Stokoe and she right. was like coming for like an audition and then that's how we we ended up on digs together great times yeah it was a lot of fun man we used to dress up in stupid outfits <laughs> mainly like a, you used to dress up yeah, in stupid outfits I used to dress up in silly outfits <laughs> the thing is I love dressing up you and Laura hated it <laughs> now just going back quickly before we were working at MTV doing all that fun mm -hmm. stuff going away to I don't know Ibiza and Germany and all them crazy places um, we were working as production assistants at yeah. uh, One Extra yeah. and Radio One so what was that like for you? so, so to start at the beginning so when we finished university, it was kind of mad because you kind of get this degree and a qualification. You think you can go straight into work and it doesn't work that way. So I started, I thought to myself, I can't work for free. I'm already in debt. I've got this student loan to pay off. I'm living at my mum's house um, and she's not having it. So she's asked me to be a bank manager and all kind of madness. And so I, I felt I couldn't do work experience at the time. You were doing work experience at literally every radio station, like whether it was Choice or Radio One or Kiss, One Extra, Kiss, Kiss well. everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. I want to start trying to pay off my debt. So I started working with young people in East London mm. and then I started teaching in Tower Hamlets College. And while I was doing all that, I started working for a kid's show called Dick and Dom in the Bungalow where I was doing like random characters for them. Through. We're going to get to that a little bit later, Melvin. Okay, don't so don't you worry about that one. All right, <laughs> I'll jump over that. But you, while you were doing your work experience, you were like coming and do like a bit of work experience at One Extra as well. And I was like, yeah. cool, yeah. that'll be my entry in. Well, the mad thing is what people don't know is that you, me and my cousin Kerry yeah. all went to uni together did the same course together and Kerry was the one that got me in to one extra yes. so it was like it just made sense to get you in and then yeah. we, we'd made it yeah 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 <laughs> so, made it. so you got me in one extra and I didn't uh, get you in but like I helped you yeah. meet the right people you so. did in my, in my mind you did because at the time it was quite a hard kind of period because you, when you're on, on the outside looking in you just think it's a really hard place a to get into but for you, I know you see it as you just said to someone, I've got a friend called Melvin who wants to do work experience. But for me, that was a big deal because I didn't know how to get my foot in the door. Yeah. So um, I did work experience for two weeks, worked my ass off, and then they started... You uh, had the beads in the hair. Had the beads. Melvin, I was, you used to have like... I was really old soul back then. You had Cane Row these days. I was really soulful. Little, little uh, <laughs> mahogany beads. You're saying it like it's a joke, but that was a serious time. <laughs> I thought I was a young Maxwell. <laughs> I had beads, I had like a, a pinstripe blazer, which was my dad's actually, I never told you that. And I used to wear this, this like little man bag, it was made of real leather, you could smell it from there. Do you know who used to love that, that look? Who? Reggie Yates, because Reg, Reg and Dev used to work at 
uh, one extra at the time, mm. and Reg used to be like, Melvin, he's got, he wears beads in his hair. <laughs> he used to love it. He used to love it. <laughs> I felt like Stevie Wonder, and it used to feel so good on my neck. Those were the good old days. Um, but yeah, you got me the job there, and then I was like a freelance broadcast assistant, and that's how kind of like our entry into radio began. Yeah, real yeah. like a real job, I'd say. All right, pause. We've been rolling for about two minutes. Mm-hmm. You feeling nervous or you good? I'm all right now. Yeah, he's good now. I You're was nervous. nervous at the beginning. I don't know why. <laughs> because I've never, this, is, this is never a situation we've been weird. It is weird. It is yeah. weird. It is weird. All right, let's go back to the first time that we ever met. Now, the first time I ever saw Melvin, <laughs> I was driving into university. It was like the first day. I got there with my mum and my dad. I'm in the back of my, their car, like, you know, like, you know, boxes of stuff and was clothes. Was that the first time? It's the first time I saw you. And as, as we pulled into Butte Street, which was our campus... Um, it was pouring down with rain or it was just about to rain and there was just, just this guy standing on the corner with these big thick rimmed like thick rimmed fake glasses like, black rims he had like a tinted kind of haircut of like big thick kind of like sideburns and you were wearing like a black it was like a black. It was color. like leather. It was. It was, it was leather. leather. It's pleather. Pleather. Yeah, yeah. It's a pleather jacket. I got that from Top Man. <laughs> I remember thinking. I'm gonna chat to that guy. Wherever I see him, I'm gonna chat to him. I'm gonna chat to him. So that was my first, my first impression of you going. I've seen him. He looks right. I'm gonna chat to him. What was your first experience of me? My first experience of you was I was in a club called the Beach, the Beach. with um, our good friend Leroy, yeah. and me and Leroy were sitting in this club. So this is the first night of uni. This is like freshers' week. Freshers' week, right? the first night, and. <laughs> I, back then I wasn't really a house head like I don't think I even like garage really back then yeah. so me and Leroy were sitting there going damn where's all the R&B because Leroy's from Manchester so Leroy yeah. didn't know about garage or dance music really exactly so we were both sitting there kind of like sulking and then you walked up to me and Leroy and just introduced yourself there was loads of us at university but that's my first introduction to you and I just remember thinking that was really quite confident that you've just come up to like two strangers <laughs> and introduced yourself and it was so cool I just thought you was a a very pleasant person and we were always very like-minded yeah um all of our all of our friends at university were very like-minded yeah because yeah, there's six of us in total yeah we're two of six obviously there's Leroy there's Charles there's make Damien, it sound like we're like Russell. triplets or something <laughs> <laughs> well we're like we, we, I don't know we're like a family aren't we really yeah, yeah really, definitely like a family all right Mel tell us about your heritage where did you grow up where did you go to school right your family talk about, about the original the, the the early days okay so both my parents are from Ghana um I think I get my funny bones from both my parents. I think they're both hilarious in their own they way. They are both funny. Um, the closest person in the world to me is my sister, Yona. She's like my uh, right-hand woman. Who's and funnier than you. Not many people know that. And everyone loves her more than me <laughs> for some strange reason. But you know what? She's the angel of the family, and I think that's why everyone loves her. And she finds the good in everything and yeah. everyone. Um, but I was, I just, from a very early age like the idea of entertaining people and making people smile and make, making people laugh. I don't know I don't know what I wanted to do at that point. I just like the idea of of people kind of like being entertained by me, whether it was through dance, whether it was through singing or whether it's from me presenting or whatever. Where your family are so funny, like your mum, obviously I've, I've experienced your mum at first hand like mm. many, many times. Your dad a few less times, but I still know that he's a joker. Um, <laughs> But when did you first realise, you know what, I'm funny, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually funny. Um, when did you first realise that? I, okay, I realised I was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> We're at a family party. I've got a cousin called, you know Jacqueline and David, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jackie and David had a birthday party. <laughs> and at African parties, right, all that happens is the parents are downstairs drinking liquor 
and all the kids are in the upstairs. in the upstairs playing video yeah. games yeah, yeah. and just in yeah. one crammed in one it's room. It's like lining the staircase all the way up into the rooms or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in this room and I think I just started talking about stuff that happened in school and like things that I find funny and X, Y and Z. And I just remember seeing the whole room just sitting there laughing, like <laughs> laughing their heads off. I felt like I was doing like a comedy sketch. <laughs> and that's when I was like, this feels really nice. Mm. And again, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I don't think it was until I met you at uni and we started doing um, Luton FM, yep. like, like local radio there. Um, and I was like, this is a cool idea. And I quite like, and I, again, you and me was never like an on-purpose thing. It was just no. quite organic. We just enjoyed doing it. And I just liked the idea. I thought presenting was the easiest thing to do because of I can't really sing. I can't really dance. <laughs> you tried all? Yeah, tried I tried all, all of them. Yeah, yeah. I tried them. So we know. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought presenting is the next best thing. Yeah. Uh, best way for me to entertain people. Yeah. Why do you hate football so much, Mel? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that I love football. Yeah. Leroy loves football. He's one of our best friends. Damien likes football. Charles likes football. Russell, he's got into football. You're, you're going to find the answer weird. Go on, tell me. I don't like the sound of it. <laughs> like, the, you know the sound of... <sighs> the crowd, you mean? The crowd. <laughs> the, the atmosphere. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> I remember, like, when my dad used to watch football in the house. And I'd be like, it's so noisy. And I just find it boring. I don't know why. I just, I just, I'm not a fan of football. There's other things that I think are more entertaining. Like? Like women's wrestling. <laughs> Have you watched women's wrestling? Have you seen the TV show Glow? That is sick. What? That's the Netflix show, right? That's amazing. You've been trying to get me to watch that. It's much better than football. Is it better than uh, Orange is the New Black? That's one of your other favourites. They're on par. Okay. They're okay. on par. All right. Okay. That's good. Um, talk to me about when you... Uh, Got involved in CBBC because I remember being at university and we used to go to university with a girl called um, Chanel. Chanel Robinson. Yeah. And I remember her, I think she was just the most proactive person yeah. at uni at the time. She did like work experience at MTV and uh, Daryl McQueen, which was like a big production company. I remember thinking, she's amazing. Like, yeah. how can I be like her? And then one day she said. So Chanel called me up while I was, I think I was working in the youth club then. And she was like, Melvin, I'm working on this show called Dick and Dom in the Bungalow. Do you want to come and do some TV work? She called me as well. She called you as well? Yeah, yeah, Seriously? Yeah, and I was like, no. Really? Yeah, because it was like to dress up as a dolphin or something. Well, she, she didn't actually tell me. She just went, I know you're really into performance. Um, you can see how TV works and we'll pay for like a car to pick you up. And you know that I love free, freeness. Yeah, yeah, and she's yeah. like, there's going to be free food there as well. I was like, cool, <laughs> sign me up. So I rolled up to like White City <clears> and uh, they were like, put on this outfit, like a dolphin outfit, whatever. <laughs> And when we call you on, you're going to start dancing. And I was like, cool. Um, so I went on. I didn't even question it. I just didn't question it because I, I was so excited about just being in a real studio. I'd never been, been anywhere like that before. And started doing like the running man or whatever. And then came off set. I was on there, Ricks, for about what, a minute, two minutes. Right. And it was hosted by these guys, Dick and Dom, and they were amazing. Yeah. And I got to see all these different like characters and stuff and kids running around, throwing custard on each other. And I just thought this is this is just quite interesting. So was that like a pilot, or was it like part of the first? It, one that was like one of their early shows. This is right. when they were still they, they were they were just on CBBC then. Right. Um, so then I did that, and then the producer, a guy called Steve Ride, who's like the funniest person in TV, comes down. And he's like, Melvin, that was really funny. Do you want to come back every week and do that again? And I was like, Yeah. He goes, We can't pay you, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll give you breakfast in the morning. We'll pick you up. And I was like, I'm not doing anything else on a Saturday. So I used to come down every single weekend and do just like random characters. I'd be like a woman, I'd be like a dad, 
I'd be like a, a guy dressed up with a massive balloon head, Mr. Choosy, like all these different characters. And the show got bigger and bigger and bigger. It moved from CBBC to, we were on CBBC and we were on BBC One yeah. at one point. Yeah. And the show got so massive that they ended up winning like BAFTAs. They got like real actors, a guy called um, Dave and uh, another guy called Ian. Uh, Ian Kirkby and um, we just had like a massive cast of people the funny thing for me and I know for like our friends watching it as well was that we'd see you on TV doing all these characters and stuff and they were stupid things they used to do, do around the house at uni and I was like <laughs> look at him getting paid to do this on TV now <laughs> but that was it's one funny. of the most fun shows for TV that I ever did in my life and it was such a like a lovely vibe like um, behind the camera the thing about that show, which no one really knows, is the funniest thing about it was our producer, Steve Wright, because he used to say random stuff in your ear. And the audience would never know what, what was going on. But he... Tell him the more story. The okay, more. so so there's a clip. If you go on YouTube, there's a clip of me and I'm dancing. It's one of my favourite clips ever. Like, and you just dancing. I'm like... dressed up as like Sherlock Holmes or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. And they're just throwing muck over me. And our thing was, because it's a live show, this show was like, would last about three hours. Yeah. It was live, it was mayhem, we had games. Like Saturday, Saturday, Saturday morning kids TV. Yeah, Saturday morning uh, TV. So if they were like stuck, like they didn't know what was going on, <laughs> um, our producer Steve Wright would just say in our ear, get Melvin to dance. <laughs> that was like the out for everything. Just get Melvin dancing. And then the sound guy would literally just start playing music and then I'd start dancing. But the thing is, I'd get tired. So sometimes I'd stop and then he'll be like, more! So Steve was literally like his little monkey boy, like just dancing away, more, there'll be more. So there was literally a time, if you find this video, this clip on YouTube, where I'm just literally dancing and I stop and I keep going on and on and on. It's because of Steve is shouting uh, more in my It's the my funniest ears. clip. But the, the whole cast, all like the presenters and stuff, they were laughing their heads off because they obviously knew what was going yeah, on yeah, yeah. in their head. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, a good time. All right, let's speak about when we were working at One Extra. Mm -hmm. So we got to work with a lot of really cool people, a lot of cool DJs, producers, um, Ace and Viz, uh, Jason Inyare, loads of really cool people, Rampage. Um, did you think at that time, when we were working there mm -hmm. in production, that we would, a few years down the line, go on to have like a record-breaking, award-winning breakfast show on the radio for... The best part of it, well, a decade. One extra over a decade is is a funny situation because it was the best time and the hardest time all at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Because we were just excited to be in radio. Um, it was a very exciting station because it was for me the first ever yeah. black BBC radio station dedicated to new black music. Yeah. Um, I think we we had like the best DJs on the roster at the time, and everyone seemed new and fresh, and it was. A really cool place to be. The problem was for, for me and Ricks was we just wanted to be presenters. Yeah. And we were like, that was our only way in, our exit in yeah. or our entry in was. Well, we had to, to pay be, the bills. Yeah. We had to pay bills and we had to get in somehow. So we, we were broadcast assistants. So it was really hard because we'd watch Ace and Viz like loving it on the radio yeah. and Jason Yare and Rampage and all these amazing people. All absolutely killing it. Yeah. Smashing. Killing it and yeah. really loving life. And we were still enjoying it, but I think it, really in our hearts, we wanted to be presenters. Yeah. Uh, and we signed up and we did this competition called uh, On Air Academy, where it was for kind of like people who weren't on air to do, to do radio. Mm -hmm. And uh, they basically, the, the prize was to do a demo on air. And me and Ricky won the competition and we did a demo and we were like, this is it. We are going to be on one extra. And if not, radio one. <laughs> like, 
this is it. We've made it now. And I remember just giving our demo to like all the bosses and execs at Radio One and One Extra. And obviously they, you know, they had so many amazing DJs there. Yeah. And I don't think they had a place for us to no, be fair. No. And um, so that's when we, we signed up to something else and we hooked up with an amazing guy called uh, Grant Michaels, who we're still with now. And uh, he introduced us to Andy Roberts at Kiss. Yep. And Andy was like, uh, we're going to put you on weekend breakfast, but if you're shit, then you're <laughs> off. <laughs> then you're off. He was like, I'm going to put you on for a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to quit your job. I'll put you on for a few weeks. Yeah. If, you're not, if you're not good, you're gone. Yeah. You know, so we were sweating. That was a hard time. It was a scary time because if it didn't work on Kiss, then that would have been it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no think that was, was gonna take for me, off. that was probably one of the biggest things in our journey. And, you know, like solely and like together as well. Leaving one extra, leaving that yeah. five days a week, you know, yeah. you're getting your PAYE money and then going to kiss and not knowing if that was going to last for a month or six months or however long. But I remember you being more um, adventurous about that. You yeah, were just like... We, we had to take the chance. We yeah. had to. There was no... We couldn't know. Imagine if we didn't. Yeah, like, what were we doing? I know. We were Romeo somewhere. <laughs> putting the tracks like somewhere. Just like, just never gave, gave it a shot. Um, do the 4am starts ever get easy for you? Never. <laughs> I have never woken up at 4am and gone, wow, I feel fresh today. Never in my life. And, um, and I've tried to go to sleep like early. Like yesterday, I'm sure I went to sleep at like nine o'clock because I knew this was happening and I'm still tired. I think more sleep makes me even more tired. I've tried literally absolutely everything. I'm not, I'm, the weird thing is we do a breakfast show, but I don't think you and me are morning people. When I'm a nocturnal person. Like it's, At all. It's crazy. But once you're there, it's the best thing in the world. Um, yeah. But waking up is never easy. It's yeah. never been easy. Yeah. What do you reckon is, because at that time in the morning, like you say, if you haven't had sleep, if I haven't had sleep, it, it can be a cranky time. Mm. If, if you're hungry or we know that you've got a really long day. Because when you, when you work in radio, you do the breakfast show. <laughs> if you've got a lot of stuff to do after the breakfast show, you're angry in the morning. <laughs> See, the thing I'm is, angry. Now, usually, if I'm being interviewed by someone that doesn't know me, I, I'm just like, no, I'm a happy person. But Ricky knows the truth. <laughs> I am so angry in the morning. I'm the most ratty person you will find. If I haven't slept and I haven't eaten, then you don't want to be near me. Yeah, my thing is, I, I'm okay if we can do the show and then go home. I'm, yeah. I'm cool, I'm cool. But I know if we've got like a really, really long day, yeah. and obviously we love our job, it's a fun job, yeah. it's not work. But when you've got like a long day that you know you're going to be tired, you've been up since four, I'm, I'm upset first. <laughs> I'm upset, I'm upset. So, you know, it could be quite easy to, you know, get on each other's nerves, get under each other's skin. What do you reckon is the biggest argument that we've ever had? It, was, it wasn't at Kiss. It wasn't at Kiss. I don't think it was at Kiss. It was when we was at One Extra. And it was an argument over how to edit something. <laughs> what were we even doing? I can't even remember what we were cutting. I think we were probably doing a showreel or something. Was it a showreel? Probably. Yeah. And Ricky was, we were both right. And Ricky was like, no, you've got to edit this way. And I was like, no, you've got to edit this way. And I swear we nearly came to blows. <laughs> we were so angry. It was the dumbest. Was anyone with us? Dumbest argument. It was just us two. I think was there was someone there? called Bookie. Bookie Bukare was up there. He was just like. Laughing at us. What's wrong with you Yeah. Two? But that is the biggest argument we've had was at that. I remember, and I remember till this day, and my memory is terrible. Yeah. It was upstairs by the, it's on um, the fourth floor. cool edit machines. In Yulden House. Yep, yeah. arguing about how to edit something. <laughs> but I think after, at the end of it, we just started, we started laughing, laughing because we, we knew did. how silly it was. Yeah, we did, we did. Um, now, people don't often see the other side of presenting. They see like, you know, the glitzy, the glamorous, the glamorous stuff they see like on the TV or on the, hear you on the radio. Um, 
you know, on Instagram, nice clothes or whatever. You've got a lovely piece there today. It's Thank a lovely, you. It's a lovely jacket. Joshua Kane. <laughs> but they don't see the other side. They don't see the auditions and they don't see mm-hmm. the screen tests and they don't see all the meetings that you go to or, or people saying thanks but no thanks. The rejections, basically. How do you deal with, when it does come about, the, the downside of things, the things when, you know, people ask you, oh, what's going on? You're like, oh, you know, you know, you, in your mind, you've got like um, probably like a year's worth of, meetings that you've had with a production company and and that that idea doesn't come to fruition how do you deal with those the downtimes i think um for us we were really lucky because um in the beginning everything happened really slowly and then everything happened super quickly so we appreciated everything that happened to us like we didn't come out of university and just get a job straight away. Yeah. So when we got on radio and then we got on TV and stuff like that, I was like, what? everything was like, wow. And I've, there was a period when um, I think we'd left MTV and then we'd started doing stuff for like Kiss TV and 4Music. Yeah. And we were smashing it. We were doing literally everything. We was on like The Weakest Link. We was doing 4Music, literally on everything, every single channel. And then it just stopped. <laughs> All we were doing was literally just Kiss. Yeah. And I think that really really hit me. I don't know about you at the time. Uh, did you regret leaving MTV at that point? I didn't regret leaving MTV, um, but I just felt like people were bored of Ricky and Melvin. Right. I thought like, well, this is it. Uh, you know, every, <laughs> you know when you, every, everyone's got like their, like their sell-by date. And I was like, well, they, this is it. I'm Lenny Henry now. <laughs> Sorry, Lenny, I love you. But I, thought, I was like, that's it. No one's no longer interested in what we're, what we're here to do. And so I was like, Sir Lenny, by the way. Sir Lenny, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah he's royalty there. So like, I was like, that's it. Um, let's just keep enjoying do, like Kiss Breakfast. And I remember speaking to my sister and she was just like, and Yona again, she's very, very positive and uh, she always says the right things. And she was like, you just keep going until literally people are bored of you. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I remember her saying that. And um, literally, as, as she said that, we started smashing it again at Kiss. Uh, and then things started to happen. We got like um, bang on the money. Yeah. Um, well, sweat the small stuff. Sweat the small stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, did stuff like for extra factor. Did strictly come dancing and Lego Masters now more recently and um, my hot half as well on E4. So yeah. I just think everything kind of comes at its time, and I think it's all about being patient. But in terms of doing go- doing, doing extra factor, yeah, was huge. Looking back. How do you view that whole experience? How was that for you? Um, what, doing it or before it? What, what Just period? like, looking back on it, how do you look back on it? Do you look back on it with pride? Do you look back on it with, I could have done that better or I wish that lasted for longer or that was a wicked solid year, me and Michelle smashed it. Wicked, extra factor, like drop, like, how do you look at it? Extra factor for me, um, like, okay, so you know there's little milestones in our life. Kiss is a milestone. Like, our, doing Kiss was a big deal. MTV was a milestone, mm-hmm. especially for me personally, because I just always wanted to be there. Lifelong dream. Yeah, always wanted to be there. Extra Facts is a milestone because of, it touched those people who would have never yeah. watched me when or listened to us on Kiss. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember going home after a few episodes of Extra, and this old man came up to me. And um, I think I was by Oxford Street and he was like, oh, I saw you on Extra Facts with that young lady from the Saturdays. It was very funny. <laughs> and I was like, you would never listen to Kiss. <laughs> and I was like, you're touching people that would never yeah. have known who you were before. So for me, that's, that's the way I view it. And uh, as you know, Rochelle is amazing. Yeah, she is. And, and I learned a lot from her. 
like just the way she works and and i learned a lot from the show itself because it's an absolute machine while we're doing interviews they're filming stuff with ollie and caroline on stage while someone's being filmed backstage online for an interview while someone's taken through to do a performance in front of like thousands of people like it's insane what's going on all at the same time yeah. and i've never been part of something like that before mm-hmm. and um i've never worked so hard before I because remember. i was doing the breakfast show and then i'd go off and do stuff with Rochelle and film from like early morning till the evening. Mm. And um, yeah, I've never worked like that before. It was insane. I remember um, as an exec there uh, at ITV called Peter Davey. And he big was up like, Peter. big up Peter. And he was like, um, after you do a job like this, you can do anything. Yeah. And, and I remember him saying that. And, and it, it, he just made me feel really, really confident. And um, yeah, I, it's a milestone. It's one of the milestones in my life. Yeah, like, I remember just being proud when you were on that. Like, very, very proud. Because it's one of the biggest things on TV, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but looking back at it, how and when and what reason did they give you for not keeping you on? Because you and Michelle, for me, were the best X Factor duo or presenters for a long time. If I'm honest, um, Simon is all about figures. If And if it's... If it's anything to do with him, then it's all about the figures. So maybe it just didn't rate well. I think in terms of what me and Rosh did, I think we had a great time doing it. And I, I personally think we did a good job and we had an amazing team, Big Up Jane and Ollie as well. Uh, amazing, like they were sick producers. I think like our crew were amazing and we were genuinely having fun. So in terms of the, the content, I thought it was all good. But I think maybe the show itself uh, didn't rate well. It, it was an experimental year, wasn't it? Because that's when they brought Grimmy in, yeah. Rita Aura was on the main show And our well. show can only do well if the main show does well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that because of they were just, literally, they were just going back to the old model with the, when they went, when they did the, the next year. And I think someone, when they signed up Rylan and Matt Edmondson, Rylan has an amazing following. He's a sick presenter. He does live in his sleep. Yeah. And I think A, he's a safe bet and B, he has a following that he would have brought to the channel as well. Uh, so that's why I think they took on Rylan and, and Matt. Thing is, when that ended, it wasn't like it was like, oh, oh well, that was that. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, it was Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, I, I haven't got time because I've got bills to pay. My mum's African, she's like a tax man. So <laughs> I, always, I always wanted to do... I, I want a new kitchen. Yeah, yeah, I want a brand new kitchen. My mum doesn't ask for handbags and shoes. She wants like big shit, like a kitchen or a car. I remember one time she was like, I had a really bad time at work. I said, mum, do you want anything to cheer you up? She goes, yes, I want a car. I said, cool, I'm going to get you an SM Micro. She goes, no, I want four by four. <laughs> She goes in. She goes in. <laughs> I respect her for it. Uh, so yeah, Strictly was something I always wanted to do because I remember seeing. Um, um, I tell you what, it was the year when Simon Webb did it, and like yes. Mark Wright. That was a really good year for like like young celebrities. Yeah. It made it kind of cool again. The lineup was amazing. Good lineup. And I had a gig. I don't know if you was with me, Ricks. I had a gig in Blackpool. No, I wasn't there. I don't I'd know where you that. were. I don't I know, know what you were doing. Was, you were doing it with Lauren Pope, I think. Was it that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. it. Yeah, because Lauren would just, she'd just cut out as soon as the gig's done, right? <laughs> so I was there and I was like, right, I'm going to go clubbing. Yeah. But randomly, Strictly were there as well because they do like... They go Blackpool. A week in Blackpool, right? So I remember going... I think that's like week seven. Yes. Did you make it to week seven? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the story. <laughs> right. So I remember like being in Blackpool and everyone in this town was like mad excited 
And I remember like going past the club and it was packed. Everyone was going to see the Strictly lot. And my hotel was where everyone from Strictly was staying. And um, I woke up for breakfast the next day and everyone was like, the, I saw these amazing like professional dancers looking hot. <laughs> everyone was catching joke. And I was like, that looks like a fun show to go on. Right. And at the time, I thought it would be easy. I thought you just <laughs> you learn a couple, two, two steps. <laughs> you get a trophy and you go home. Because you can dance. You're actually a good dancer. You're good. I think I you're could not like, dance. You're not, you're, not, you're not a professional, no. like, go on stage, but, do yeah. routines. But you could, in a club, yeah. at a party, you can put it down. Yeah. So I thought it would be easy. <laughs> but ballroom and Latin is a completely different <laughs> ball game. And I was out in the first week, <laughs> which was devastating. Because man put in the work. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a mad experience. But, um, but I met some amazing people. We're still really good friends as well. We stay in contact on WhatsApp and see each other. Um, like, went training with Judge Rinder the other day. Ore had organised like a dinner party. Yeah, yeah. So we hook up there. Um, I see Gorka all the time and Neil and Jeanette and do you know what I mean and um, I'm going to go and visit Jeanette and Aston because they're training oh, of now course, yeah, and yeah. their studios near my house so I'll right. go and check them soon right big up Aston and, and Jeanette um, quickly did you notice obviously after the X Factor you said you said that a lot of people recognised you people that you would never ever have any contact with through your work before that mm -hmm. did you notice that step up a level again with Strictly yeah Strictly was again that was like the mums that, that time around, like the mums, and generally, just people in general, because it's such a big show. Yeah, um, I I still get people now ask me about your time on Strictly, <laughs> especially taxi drivers. They love. They're like, oh, Mel, yeah, Mel, uh, you went off first. I did that. You went, <laughs> went off first. Yeah, he was robbed. He was robbed. He was robbed. He was robbed. <laughs> yeah, I think I think definitely. Do you know what I think with with Strictly, people who who knew of us anyway were kind of like more familiar. Because if people would, would listen to the show, but they might not know what we look like. Yeah. But I think Strictly helped those who already knew us to kind of be like, okay, that's the face that goes with the voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird for me because sometimes I can go home on the train and no one will notice me. Uh, or I can go home or walk down Oxford Street and everyone will notice me. Yeah. It's, it's quite random and I'm sure it's the same for you as yeah, well. Yeah. And again, if I'm with you, I get noticed even more. Mm -hmm. Um, or if we're at an event yeah. like Kistory, then yeah. you well, get, that's just, yeah. do you mean? Because <laughs> that's just the Kist crowd, but it's, it's quite random. Um, it's funny because when we're at Kistory, Melvin likes to do this, <laughs> do this thing where he thinks he's tiny temper. Oh, I reckon that's <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. He'll take the microphone, he'll go right. running off into the crowd. Okay. He thinks he's jumping, jumping oh, okay. Anyway, um, uh, going back to Strictly quickly, uh -huh. obviously, you know, you, were, you weren't on it for a massive amount of time, but you still had the you know got involved in the culture of it all mm -hmm. and stuff and you had your, your whatsapp group with all the all the other contestants and stuff did it get quite competitive that you know of like bit like you know what with off, the other contestants off, like, off camera did it ever get like a little bit like a bit you know, I, I think edgy and, i think jeanette will agree with with me i think that particular year was quite a special year because i heard historically once it gets to blackpool everyone gets really competitive and stuff but i think genuinely my year were really supportive of each other. Even now, like, for example, um, Louise Redknapp's in, I think, Cabaret at the moment. Right. And, like, some of the guys are going to go and watch her. Yes. Laura was in a play a little while ago. They'll go and watch her. Um, like, Joanna, one of the dancers, she's in doing something. And everyone's very, very supportive. Yeah. Um, and I think even down to the final, whoever won that final, whether it was Ore, whether it was Louise or Danny Mac, I think everyone would have been quite happy for everyone. <laughs> like, genuinely. Yeah. And... Um, 
And again, I, I felt that when I did the Christmas special because everyone came down to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, it was the best feeling ever. Like because so, so obviously, you know, you exited the main show, but then yeah. they, how did they ask you back for the Christmas so, special? So there's a, a lady called Vinny <laughs> and she does all like the casting for, for Strictly. And she, she messaged me, she said, Melvin, I want to meet you. She met me here randomly. Really? At, at Cafe Royale. And she was like, Melv, um, we want you to come and do the Christmas special. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was like no and she was like why and I said because I don't want to fail again in the same year and she's like why, why are you going to fail and I said because I was the first out this year and she's like you should just do it and again I spoke to my sister and she was like you have to prove to everyone that you can do this and technically the thing that got me was that you went out on a technicality. You didn't actually yeah. get voted off because you were the worst person because you didn't get a chance to prove it. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, an exactly. acrimonious situation, wasn't it? Yeah, sometimes I get tired of even explaining it, yeah, yeah. especially if people don't watch the show. But yeah, because some people just be like, ah, you're the first off yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And unless you watch the show, you don't really know what happened. Because Ore, who won the show, I'm sure he was like at the bottom two twice. If he hadn't been given that opportunity to, to fight for to his have place. A dance off, yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying I would have ever won, but... Um, I think I, I had the opportunity to get a little bit further in the yeah. competition. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, spoke to my sister and she was like, you've got to prove to everyone that you can, you can do this. And I was like, what if I lose? And she was like, you're not going to. And she came to my house after every rehearsal and she learned the routine. She learned Jeanette's routine. Really? So she could practice with you? Yeah. So she, Yona pulled all, like, she pushed all the furniture away and she learned Jeanette's parts and then we'd film it and then send it to Jeanette. And she don't be like, that's amazing. And then she'd be like, we'll work on this. So it's like I had two teachers. Amazing. Um, and yeah, went back and did the Christmas special. And to me, I didn't go there going, I, I want to even win. Because as far as I was concerned, like everyone that was there, like Geffen, Jones and like Frankie and um, everyone that was there, like they were legends of Strictly. They had done the tour before. <laughs> They'd made it to Blackpool. Like these guys were deep at the game. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy it. I don't even care about winning. I just want to enjoy it. And so um, we did the Charleston, which again, was better suited to my personality, I think. And yeah, just smashed it. And I don't know how. I mean, you say they gave, <laughs> I don't it, to know how. <laughs> they gave it to me because they felt sorry for me. But I won the Christmas special and I've got that trophy in my living room. And any girls that come over, that's the first thing they see. You see that over there? Yep. Won the Strictly Christmas special. Let's go upstairs and make sweet love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really do that. <laughs> All right, who's your money on this year to win? Oh. To win. Okay. Put put yourself out there. Okay. Obviously, we know people that are on it this year. Okay, I'm going to be. We've got friends that are on it this year. Uh, there's a lot of friends on the show yeah, yeah. this year. So, the best dancer for me yeah. at this stage is Aston and Jeanette. All Aston, right? Yeah, okay. Aston's but that doesn't nice. mean you're going to win. Because if I think Danny Matt was the best in our year, and he didn't win. Mm -hmm. I think the person who wins is the person who has the biggest journey. Yeah. And I. So what? Maybe start off, not have a bit of a bumpy ride. I think you have to be okay, like yeah. cool, yeah. but you have to improve week after week and you have to have ups and downs. Yeah. Like I remember Mark Wright's here, he had pure ups and downs right. and they loved him for that. You have to have be that character. And I think that person might be Alexandra Burke this yeah, year. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't know why, I just got a feeling. Yeah, I think that might be that her. She's got, she's got that kind of, that journey in her. But the best answer is Aston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Ed Balls is going to be the Reverend. The Reverend. Yeah. You can see that in him, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to see a dance-off between them two. That'd be great. <laughs> All right, Mel, so you just spoke about your Strictly Come Dancing trophy in your house. Please. <laughs> please. please. <laughs> 
and that you know it's in a place where girls can see it when they come to your house. Let's just put it out there: Are you single right now? How single are you? Huh? On a scale of one to ten, <laughs> your phone's breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how single are you right now? Because you, you must be dating. You're a yeah, eligible bachelor. Yeah, dating. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what I realized? Yeah. Okay. Let me see something. <laughs> when we started presenting. I thought it was okay to be honest about <laughs> how I feel about women. Because I, I used to really enjoy the works of Russell Brand. And I thought, <laughs> Russell Brand is so open about like being this frivolous man, like this Lafario, and people enjoy him. Mm. But girls don't like that. <laughs> you can't be honest about how you feel. Yes, I'm dating. Yes, I'm single. That's all I can say on that. Are you on... Um, I mean, we know you clocked Tinder, but are you I'm on it? sweating. <laughs> are you on any... Uh, any dating apps at the moment? Nah. Because there was a period where you were the king of the dating app. I tried a few. <laughs> I tried Tinder. Yeah. I tried um, one called Luxy, which is for, you have to be a, basically have like more than a million in your account, but I lied. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid girls. <laughs> so then, yeah, there's Luxy. Uh, then I tried one called Happen, which is about where people pass you. Yeah. Then I tried another one, uh, which is similar to Luxy, called Bumble. So a few then. Yeah, yeah. The only one I didn't try is um, Plenty of Fish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, girls look Raya. at you. Huh? Raya? I tried Raya, it wouldn't let me in. Raya, you have to be, like, recommended or something like that. Oh. Raya's, like, full of celebrities and, like, models and stuff, yeah. But they wouldn't let me, I'm not big enough for them. <laughs> I'm still now, when I try and log in, it doesn't work. I've got the app on my phone. Not yet, it's going to happen. <laughs> Ladies, I'm coming. <laughs> Ladies of Raya, I'll be there. <laughs> um... Any horror stories from any dates that you've been on? I've you, got you know, you know the one I want to hear. What, which one do you want to hear? The I, I want to hear the one about uh, when the girl what the brought, some, brought someone with her. Oh right, okay. <laughs> so, um, so I'd met this girl who we'd know for. I think you might even know her, but we used to like know her from going out and stuff. Mm. And we'd arranged to have lunch, right? So um, I said, I'm going to finish the show, and then I'll meet you like Great Portland Street. And then we'll go and get some something to eat. So she's like, I'm going to drive in. I was yeah. like, cool. So uh, I called her. I was like, where are you? She goes, I'm just parking up. I said, oh, I'll come and meet you by the car. So she pulls up in this car. And then she opens her door. And then she goes to open up the back door. I'm like, what's she doing? And she pulls out a baby. <laughs> I was like, well, who's this? She's like, this is my son. Now, I don't mind women with kids. No, no, But tell her brother <laughs> that you're going to bring your baby on our first date. Right? And this baby was like about three or something. And so the randomly the place that I went to go and eat was um called Vapiano. Vapiano. So Vapiano is not like a sit down with your family kind of place. You have to queue up for your food. Yeah. And if you have pasta, there's one queue. And if you want pizza, there's another queue. So we both wanted different things. So she's gone in like the pizza queue and I've gone in the pasta queue and her pizza's already come. So she sat down with her son. By the time I finished my pasta, I got my pasta ready, she's finished her pizza. So she's basically sitting there watching me eat. It was the most awkward day I've ever had. And it was the first and the last one with her. I think she did it on purpose. She didn't really want to, to go on a date with me. She just Maybe wanted... she was just testing you to see if you was like, you know, daddy material. I'm not. <laughs> you don't have to do that to find out. I will tell you. What's your ideal woman? Your idol, because I think over the years, mm -hmm. your idol woman has changed. It's the, Melbourne used to have what you used to call a template, yeah. <laughs> and your template from back then in the earlier days to now, I feel is different. What would you say? I would say now there's a show called Modern Family, and there's a woman in there called Sofia Vergara. She's like Latin. The way she speaks is amazing. 
I think she's hilarious as well. Sense of humour is important. And she has just the most amazing shape. And she's beautiful. <laughs> she uh, is beautiful. So, yeah, I think Sofia Vergara is the, is the pinnacle. Right. If I could pick anyone, it would be her. Right, okay, okay. Or Carol Vorderman. <laughs> what a woman. <laughs> she can fly a plane. <laughs> good with numbers. Yeah, good with numbers. <laughs> Save your money and get you to Jamaica real quick. <laughs> Um, no, but on a serious note, do you actually want to have, want to get married, want to have kids, settle down? Yeah. Do you want those things? Yes. Because the clock is ticking, bro. All brother. right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I do, but I think that I'm very conscious of um, settling. I don't, I don't think I ever want to settle. And I think I'm a bit of a romantic at heart. Mm. You know when you watch those rom-coms and they're like proper in love? And they're not just lovers, they're friends as well. I want that. I want that rom-com love. And, and I don't want to settle for anything. And I think because of Why that... Why settle when you can scroll through Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> no, Ricky, no. I don't do that. I don't. Um, did you think... Who did you think out of all of our friends would be the first one to have a child? Obviously, I've got Lola. Do I think Ricky has a good heart and uh, like my mum prefers Ricky to me <laughs> it's I, true I remember when my mum first met Love Ricky she was obsessed with a gold belt that he had <laughs> do you remember that do you remember that it was a Versace belt yeah she's like back from the 90s <laughs> she's like that Ricky mm, that's such a beautiful gold belt she was obsessed with it and it, and I think with Ricks he and that's why we got on he has a very um like, what's the word? He's got this character that, that you just get addicted to it. And I think, um, yeah, I'm not surprised that he's a good dad at all because I think he's got a good heart and I think that's the foundation to being a good dad. I love watching him. Sometimes I don't even say nothing. I love watching him with his little one because it's like the best thing in the world because that's the part, that's the part that no one ever gets to see. Yeah. I see party Ricky. <laughs> I see shots at the bar Ricky. That, that's the one that I, I see all the time. So when you see dad Ricky, that's a completely different ball game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, flipping it on its head completely. What do you see as being next for you, mm -hmm. next for us, next for just the, the journey? Um, I always say I always say more of the same because I think we're quite lucky to be doing what we're doing now. Um, but yeah, I, I sometimes I feel like because uh, we get a lot of people approaching us saying, "Oh, I need help and support and stuff like that." Yeah. And sometimes I think we should start up some kind of I don't know, like a school or a workshop or something yeah. to help young people. I don't know. Uh, so sometimes I think that. Um, I. I don't really tell anyone this, but I, I'm obsessed with music videos. <laughs> I love music videos. And I've always wanted to learn how to like direct so I can make a music video. Um, so could you teach me? <laughs> <laughs> so that's TikTok. That's what well James? Good but work. yeah, I think for me, realistically, the next thing is to try and start a family mm. um, and to try and find someone to start with. So any take? <laughs> Let me know. This chocolate brother is here. <laughs> yeah, my mum can't. She can't wait for me to have like. Oh, you know, your mum, Auntie, cannot wait. Yeah, she wants. She's so happy that Yona's like getting married. Congratulations to Yona yeah. and to, to Marcus, by the way, as well. But yeah, I think I need to start a family now. With me, Ricky knows I don't talk about anything until it's done. Okay. So there's two concepts that. Okay, I'll tell you because you're family. And you guys are all family, I can tell you. So there's one thing that I'm... So when I, I just did a show called Hot or Half, and I had a discussion with um, my producer, Tom, because um, we, 
I don't, do you remember when that show came, a documentary came out about gangs? Yeah. And there was loads of stuff on social media about people saying that they're glorifying gangs. And I don't think you're glorifying it if you're just talking about what's actually happening. And he was, we were discussing it and we were like, we should maybe touch yeah. on something like that. So we're, we're in talks about a, a gang-related show. Uh, and then there's something that I've always wanted to do, which I'm going to start soon. And you guys are all involved in, actually, randomly. Um, I've always wanted to do a show which was based on all of my closest male friends and their funniest relationship-based stories, right? <laughs> Everyone's got one, and I want it to be animated. Or, and, and maybe based around, like, certain, like, focal characters, like... But I wanted to... So, basically, these characters are going to kind of, like, translate basically explain all of these little stories. So I'm going to basically, for the next few months, speak to some of my friends and ask them about their stories and come up with some kind... I don't know whether it's going to be an online thing or a yeah, TV yeah, yeah. thing, yeah. but I think everyone has one crazy story that they've had with a partner, and I want to do something <laughs> based around that. All right, so Mel, as you know, uh, here on The Motto, it's a big thing for us. Mm -hmm. We like to uh, give back. Charity's a big thing. Yeah. Um, so we get sponsors money from sponsors we're going to donate some of that money that we get from sponsors to a charity of your choice thank you so that being said uh -huh. what charity would you like us to donate to on your behalf and uh -huh. the reason why uh, the melvin odoom foundation uh, for short black guys with low hair no uh, <laughs> no um it is a charity called uh the noah's ark children's hospice um my sister's like very religious um i am too as well and uh, there's a young girl at our church who's been through a lot. Her, actually, her whole family's been through a lot. Um, and this hospice has been like very supportive with their family. And and the reason why I'm choosing them is because um, although they've been through like loads, they are bruv. They are the most positive people yeah. you will ever meet. Faith and the ma so supportive as well. Um, so yeah. I, because I thought that when you asked me earlier, I was like, and James asked me, I was like, I don't know who, because we do so much work with so many great charities like the Prince's Trust and Raise the Sunshine and stuff like that. And um, I was like, who, who haven't I done something for recently and, and who like, really, really needs it? And so, yeah, I, I would like to give it to them. Wicked, man. Thank nice, you. nice. Okay, so we're going to end with our four set questions. These are four set of questions that we ask every single person. Uh, guest that comes in onto the motto. So you ready for these? Mm -hmm. All right. So the first one is, what is the biggest misconception about you? <laughs> <laughs> that I'm taller. <laughs> That's true. Or that I'm you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, yeah. People well, get, get us mixed up. I get the same thing. So people think because I'm taller than you, that I must be tall. <laughs> <laughs> so people see me, they're like, you're actually not that tall. I'm like, well, what are you judging me against? They're like, Melvin. And I'm like, have you met Melvin? Oh, no, let me change it. Good. Is that I'm funny all the time? <laughs> I'm not funny. <laughs> Bruv, I was in Sainsbury's one day. This woman come up to me and she's like, do you want to help with your bags? I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. And she's like, there you go. She goes, you're not funny on the radio. I was like, what do you expect me to do? Full comedy sketch. Like, Everyone in, in, on aisle number seven, check out this story I've got about my trainers. Nah, I'm not funny all yeah, the time. Yeah. I'm a normal guy. Yeah, yeah, I give you that one. All right, next question. Uh, when was the last time you did something for the first time? The last time you did something for the first time? I went to a place called Go Ape. How was it? Amazing. <laughs> now, you're not 
you know, you're not a very adventurous <laughs> type of person. No. So, you know, you're not a daredevil, as yeah. you were. You're a scaredy cat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how was it? That, you know what, there's a, so, um, have, you, you been, have you been? I haven't been. Okay. See, I don't think it's, I think it's a little bit tame for me. You would, you know what, Rick, you would like it. Because it's, although like, it's not scary enough for you, you still have to be quite strong for certain things. James, you been to go out? It's, we should all go go eight, man. After this, let's go go eight. Right. But um, there's elements of it where you have to have good upper, upper body strength. Right. Um, who is one person that you think we should interview on the motto? One person, by your recommendation, if we can interview anyone, who would you say? I'm going to say Dermot. Dermot O'Leary? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say Dermot. Dermot's um, good. F- for me, someone like, I was, I was chatting to my cousin a little while ago. I think I might have told you. And uh, he's got a lot of um, mentors in his life, and he's really successful. And he was like, who are your mentors? And I was like, none of my mentors I ask for. I I don't ask them to be my mentor. They're kind of like my mentors by accident because I appreciate what they do. Um, People like Trevor Nelson, people like Richard Blackwood, people people like Dermot, do you know what I mean? And I think... I was thinking to myself, who would I want to be my mentor now? And I think Dermot is that person who is kind of like doing what we, where he's like, in terms of my aspirations, he's yeah. doing what we want to do. Yeah. Like he does radio, he does TV, he has, you know, the, the best profile yeah. and he does all of that while still being nice. Lovely guy. And there's not a lot of people who are um, nice and super successful at the same time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it would be nice to see to get kind of like to grips of how he got to where he is now. Um, kind of he like always him. has the best advice. He's as got well, the best he? advice and he's, I love positive people. Um, and I think he's a very positive person. So yeah, I'd, I'd say Dermot really. All right. And finally, the big one. What is the motto that you live by? What is your motto, Melvin O'Doom? I, I was struggling with this one when you told me last week, when you asked me about this last week. Um, because initially I would have always said, go to bed with an itchy bum, wake up with a sweaty finger. <laughs> but that's stupidness. Um, realistically, because I, I even asked my sister and she was saying all this other stuff. Realistically, and I never say it, but it's my, the real one for me is um, failure to prepare is preparation for failure. That's the real one for me mm. because of, I over-prepare everything. If I, and if I'm not prepared, I literally feel sick. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know this, like yeah. whether it's an interview, whether it's a TV thing that we do, like I want to know exactly what I'm doing and when I'm doing it and go over it a million times or I don't want to be there. Yeah. And it goes back to Dermot as well, something that he said, because we asked him, do you ever get nervous about stuff? We asked him about doing big things like the NTAs yeah. and the Brits and that sort of stuff. And he was like, I'm only nervous if I'm not prepared and if I'm prepared, then I'm excited. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing to, to have in, in your mind and yeah. If I, when I work, I try and prepare as much as possible. And I think, that, I think that's my real motto, mm-hmm. which I never say, it's really random. Nothing about beard trimmer, maybe you never leave home without no, it. No, <laughs> use beard oils. <laughs> Listen, Melvin, wicked brother. Thank you, bro. You, man. This is nice, this is cool. <laughs> Can I do it again? <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. 
Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.